0: Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along show.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 120. Tonight's show is brought to you by...
0: Kenny wasn't ready.
1: Kenny wasn't ready. Uh, Andrea's going to do patrons.
0: Sure, yeah. And I just want to say for the record, last week when all three of us recorded separately and had separate audio files, I did not have to adjust the timing on those at all. Like, copy-paste, copy-paste, and hit play, and we were all lined up. Like, we all hit the record button at the same time.
2: We're fucking good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we got a vibe going.
2: It's only the 1,000th time that we've done
0: this. <laughs> okay. For our patrons at $10 a month, we've got Zozo, Zach, Will, Tom, Todd, Ty, Tennessee, Zach, Taperbore Pro, Smells Like Sweat and Fear, SCG, Shoe Co., Sam Pecklin Racing, Sam, Ryan, Ride Bikes, Hail Satan, Ralph Wiggum, Parker, Noah, Nick, My Pal Dell, MTB Shenanigans, Lloyd Christmas, Leland, Kenny Sucks, Ken, Josh, Josh, Jeff, JC, Jaradix, Jake, Green Giant, Ho Ho Ho, Gordon, G Man, F that Guy Mark, Ezra, Evan, Eric, Drew, P Balls, Captain Pickle, Cam Irish One, Billy Single Speed, Bill, Bees Turger, Bo Baggins, <laughs> Alec, AJ, Aaron, Esker cycles at eleven sixty-nine, lead out sports and Josh from the Anteza at fourteen Australian. Dean at sixteen fifty Australian. Scott at uh sorry at twenty dollars a month. We've got Scott Pooperinch, Joe, Brady, Anthony, Harley at thirty, Troy at thirty-one, and six pack outdoors at fifty.
1: <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> so since you're already talking, just keep talking.
0: Oh well, last week, let's see, we recorded on Wednesday. Wednesday night or Thursday? Sure. Yeah, one of those days last week. And I was at my parents' house. By the way, my parents' house is haunted. Did I talk about that? No. Okay, so get this. First night I'm there, I wake up in the morning. I guess first first morning I'm there. And I'm kind of half asleep. It's maybe like five something in the morning. I've been through time zones. I've driven a bunch. I don't know what day it is. And... I kind of, when I'm waking up, I just, I'm thinking, or in my brain, I'm in my own bed at home because I can feel my dog laying on the covers next to me. Taco is about 40, I don't know, he's kind of fat, probably 45 pounds. He likes to lay right against you when it's a little chilly, and he's just like a big heavy donut. It's a very, it's a, a feeling that I like, and I recognize that, and I actually reached down to pet him and realized I'm at my parents' house. There's not a dog here. And kind of snapped out of it. And I was like, wow, that was really weird because I definitely felt the dog laying on the bed. And later on that morning, I tell my mom about it. She's like, well, occasionally when I'm reading at night, something taps me or grabs me on the shoulder and there's nothing there. It's like, really? Really, you're just in here with a ghost just hanging out in your house, like laying on the bed with me, like freaking me out in the morning. And yeah, so parents' house, definitely haunted. Anyway, moving on. I, well, I, I talked about riding in Memphis. I mostly after that put up Christmas decorations, hung out with my parents. On Friday, I went and hung out with Matt's parents. Got to spend some time with Matt's dad, Johnny. He is a very nice man. Both of his parents are extremely nice. Got to meet his niece and nephews, and uh, Johnny did some gun cleaning for me. My dad gave me a few-
1: Not some. A lot. A shitload.
0: So my dad, uh, as I mentioned in the previous episode, getting older, he's not going to go on any big hunts like out west. He's not going to get out in like, a duck blind anytime soon, and- So he gave me all of his old hunting shotguns and rifles and, you know, and he, he kept them in cases and took care of them, but he didn't ever just take them apart and clean them. So all of them were just a little sticky and old.
1: They all had the same stuff inside of them, like an old shifter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot like an old shifter that just needs like the,
1: the funk blown out and the good sauce put back in.
0: Exactly. And that's exactly what he did to every single gun. So that was awesome. They all work great. Uh, So yeah, I have um, several, I don't know what the cutoff is between like just old and antique. I know one of them is from like 1917, uh, but the other ones are all a little bit newer than that, but not a whole lot. Uh, They kind of span from, I think the oldest is 1917 and then the newest is probably like a, I don't know, mid seventies firearm of some sort. What are you laughing
1: at? Just a terrible joke from Family Guy.
0: Oh, well, Family Guy has good jokes
1: that are terrible. You said 1917. I'm like, man, that's when the Model A was coming out. And if you know the Family Guy, Henry their Ford. Sh- like their sticks Skit. If you don't, look it up. If you do, you know why
2: I'm laughing.
0: Okay. I don't have to look it up. Kenny, do you know that? Did you ever watch Family Guy?
2: I've watched a bunch of Family Guy. Only the old stuff, though. I probably watched maybe the first eight seasons or something. They're yeah, up I to, haven't... what, 20 now or something?
0: Yeah, I haven't watched it in a long time, but it is really funny. I just haven't, I don't know. We don't watch, we don't have a TV, so we don't just turn the TV on and watch stuff, and I don't ever think about like trying to find it on the internet somewhere to watch. You probably have to pay for it, or look at one of those websites that puts viruses in your computer. It gives you
1: computer aids. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, did that on Friday. On Saturday, just kind of wrapped up some last-minute chores and stuff. Did a little packing in the car got sushi. That was awesome. And I drove home all in one go on Sunday. Uh, On the way out, I camped, broke it up, and it was nice. But I didn't want to have to deal with, I don't know, 10 guns in the car while I was camping. So I just drove it all in one shot, and it totally wrecked me. But I made it home, and I'm really, really happy to be home. Because I do not like cities and suburbs at all it's just very um just really insulated from nature and i didn't realize how much i rely on that for stress relief and just generally like just getting around in everyday life like what direction do i need to go well the mountains or those mountains are over there those mountains are over there like you need to go this direction like i like just basic navigation (laughs) you know it's it's, a, it's just something that I, I just need mentally and physically.
1: I would go as far as to say that if most people that live in an extremely metropolitan area moved into a much more rural area and slowed down and just didn't deal with a bunch of traffic and a bunch of noise and stuff, they'd, they'd probably be a lot less angry. I'm, yeah, I'm I don't know.
2: Don't be surprised that 50% of the entire world's population needs like drama and people to function yeah
0: i get that i totally
2: it's a a real thing just like it's a real thing that the opposite is true
0: yeah yeah i can i can definitely see that i mean and it definitely so like having the television my parents keep the television on basically from like morning not long after they get up the television's on and then they turn it off sometime i don't know after i go to bed and it's everything is, is drama. It's weird. Yeah, if, like, if
2: you want to know why some people will blindly just start spouting off random stuff that they've heard about politics and all that on both sides is because if you have that shit playing in the background 24-7, the you just think that like the entire world is coming apart at the seams and, you know, <laughs> that whatever what, their cause is that they're talking about is right and everyone else is an insane person. And... It's crazy how many people operate that way though. But Kenny,
0: it's not even like my parents don't have like the news on 24 hours a day, thank god.
2: Oh, well, I've been to plenty but, of places where people, especially older folks, they got some yeah, spare yeah. time on their hands and they are watching, listening to whatever some news station and it's pretty hard <laughs> these days unfortunately. To find an unbiased news. Like, hey, if you just wanted like current events coming at you, but like unbiased, it's probably possible to find that, but like you'd have to really curate it. It would be freaking challenging, to be honest. So you get stuck with either the complete right or the complete left, and you are going to think that the other side is absolutely insane when you're done because that's just the garbage they're feeding you.
0: Right, but I'm talking about so they luckily they don't do that. They they watch like the morning news and the the local evening news, but
2: Okay, well that's good. They, what are they watching?
0: They're watching like the Home and Garden channel. Like so it'll be a show about remodeling a house and they're putting in like dramatic music and like one tiny thing will go wrong that is not That It was just unplanned. It's not even hard to fix. What (laughs) do you
1: mean, Jimmy? You only ordered 23 drawer pulls, and we have to have 27. We're we're never going to get these cabinets done. I'll just drive your ass to Home Depot and pick four more up. That's exactly,
0: exactly what happens. Like, one tiny thing that's not planned happens, and they blow it into, like, five minutes of, like, what are we going to do? And this dramatic music, and, like, it's just wild. And it's like, dude you literally this was like a, a an extra fi- like 3 minutes you had to spend fixing this little thing that went wrong and you just made it into like this cliffhanger with a commercial break you know and it's like oh my god that's and that's every single freaking show it doesn't matter how it can be a show about fucking meditating and <laughs> it would be dramatized and it's it's just crazy but i will say that the saving grace of having the television on the entire time I was there was Saturday morning. There was this kids, yeah, like young teenager, older, yeah, like around, I'd say age would be like from 8 to 12 probably would be the age range it's after. A really, really good science show. It was like STEM, I guess. Uh, Gosh, science, what is that?
1: Science, technology, Technology, engineering,
0: engineering and and, mathematics, I believe. It was I like don't a. Know.
1: I barely have a. I speak. I can barely speak English, and I have a degree in English. Don't ask me what <laughs> STEM means. But it was Stems that, but there come was some. In there was like biology. Thirty-one-eight clamp.
0: So there was like biology in there too. It was. You're just gonna walk. I I heard you saying no. something about a clamp. I know what you meant. But there was that was a. It was a really good kids science show. It was like super diverse. I mean, you know, I think everyone can admit that in the past science has been a very male dominated thing this show just was like everyone can science and they the experts they talked to were a really diverse group of experts and it was it was great i mean i i saw that and i was like man there might be a little bit of hope for kids that are watching this on saturday morning like that was the one uh, the one positive thing that i saw on television the entire time other than maybe like a story about a dog or something. But that was, that was the rest of my week. I've been kind of playing catch up since then. Uh, today I finished, not finished, but I helped Matt with, uh, he had leveled off a spot for the shed that we're going to build, like a new shed we're going to build after he tore the old one down. And uh, that was, you know, some good manual labor. Got some good uh, cross training in there. But that's really been my week. You guys go. Both at the same time. Now, go.
2: Okay, I've got something. Yeah? So, something really sad happened. It's extremely sad. Did the Ridgeline die? No, no. No, sadder than that. Did the Super B explode already? Nope. My Surface FPD200 digital floor pump died. It is. It has been with me since... 2010.
0: Damn. I didn't even know they made a digital floor pump in 2010.
2: Maybe it was maybe well maybe 2012. Maybe 2012. It's been with me for at least 10 years solid and it but gets used. you bought used it at outdoors. Every day. Oh yeah. It was when Surface was just coming out with it and I got like one of the first ones maybe or maybe we're just trying to stock them for the first time. I can't remember but it was like a a demo unit essentially of like hey check this thing out it's really rad and it turns out that it was super rad best pump ever built ever it's just so everything about it was so good and it still works as a pump shockingly enough the schrader valve attachment doesn't really work anymore unfortunately uh, but the digital readout which is very important it finally died and definitely not a battery problem tried lots of different batteries, i put it on like a bench power supply, poked around at some stuff, like she's dead.
0: You need that uh Topeak, what's the one that we have?
2: Uh I like the Mountain Joe.
1: Yeah,
0: it's not digital, but that that pump is solid.
1: It moves a lot of air. It has a 60 psi maximum, so it moves a ton of air and okay. it's pretty affordable. They
2: retail for like 60 bucks. Is it a digital readout? No. no. Yeah, i can't i can't read dials. <laughs> so i still can't tell time to this day <laughs> yeah it's like cursive for me <laughs> roundy roundy clocks shouldn't exist they're really dumb uh anyway episode roundy clocks roundy
0: clocks <laughs> <laughs> All so right. it
2: died it was an amazing pump in every single way it just was robust and like the readout was awesome every digital readout needs to have nice big numbers and have a decimal but only show me half a psi like that's all i really care about so you know it would very clearly say 21 and a half and it, like it wouldn't it wouldn't like jump around everything about it was so dialed and everybody that ever used it realized how amazing it was because when it died uh, both my roommates were extremely sad
1: <laughs> did you did you bury it in your backyard
2: Did you give it a Viking
1: funeral and light it on fire in a refrigerator box and send it down a creek or something?
2: It's still here. It's still with us. I could probably fix it. They make little replacement gauge pod things that go in because basically they take the analog section out. It's like a clamshell and like the hose for reading the pressure comes up to that clamshell and they just have this kind of egg-shaped looking thing that went to the analog one. They just yank that out and just like put a digital pod in its place, which is kind of cool. So I can buy another one, but also like it's probably dumb to do that because the rest of the pump is 11 years old or something, and it's done it's done a lot of pumping. So something else is about to die, like the head of it like barely works. And anyway, so that's my sad news. I love that pump; it was super good. So
0: well, we'll will shout
2: shout out to Surface. I think other people, I'm sure Surface didn't actually make it. I'm sure it was contracted. I could be wrong, or maybe vice versa. Maybe. Other people copied it, but I'm seeing a few doing a quick search. I see a few pumps that look a lot like it. So I don't know. Yeah. Very, very sad. Any, uh, any in, good news this week, Kenny? Yeah. And other news, uh, nothing super exciting in the mountain bike world. It's really cold here. I might go down South this weekend. We'll have to see how that works out. But I did one last moto ride before it got really cold and rainy. And the Saran Ultra Bee is still really, really fun. So we rode in a new place. For those that like to click on maps and, you know, live vicariously through the things that we say, I rode in a place called Eureka, which is an old mining town. Surprise, surprise. And it is maybe like an hour south of me. I've just never been there before. And it's a really cool, cool area. I've got your stereotypical old mining town that you drive through. There was one gas station. It's called the the Gas Hole. (laughs) And there was one bar. I think it was called Bees, I think. That was the only restaurant. I didn't see any supermarket or anything else there, so I don't really know what people do to stay alive. But I guess something. I guess you guys stay alive. I'm not really sure how. They go to the gas hole.
1: Come on, man. Do you know how many calories are in a gallon
2: of gas? Do you know what Exxon (laughs) doesn't want you to know? Oh, my. But really cool area. Really pretty. All kinds of awesome mountains up there. It's really – it's like ultra-high desert out there in places and then definitely goes into mountains. So to give you an idea – I'm at about 4,500 feet. Most of like the Salt Lake Valley is at around 4,500 feet. And this place is at 6,000. So you're already quite a bit higher, but there's still really desert-like stuff out there. And then also mountains. And it's kind of like all in one. If you keep going, if you're in the desert part and you keep driving south, you get to a place called Little Sahara, which is like a real popular like dune place where people do dune things um but there's also really cool mountains the gravel main gravel road it's called uh what's that gravel road called it's also what the area is called cherry creek it's the cherry creek gravel road that is at least at the time i drove it was the best maintained nicest gravel road i've ever been on in my entire life it was amazing it was like a freaking highway And it was beautiful. You know, it does all this really cool elevation, great turns. It goes all the way up and down the mountains. Because out of curiosity, I just, after we were done riding, I wanted to see kind of where the road went and drove down the road for 20 miles, probably. It was pretty cool. And yeah, you could go like 70 miles an hour down this road. It was insane. Super (laughs) cool. Uh, Really neat area. And you could do some amazing camping, motorcycling, whatever. Really cool place out there. So unfortunately, the higher stuff, I think, is going to be trash for the wintertime, but... I've been told you can ride up there through the winter. So that was my adventure. New spot. Really cool. Utah is really cool. It is almost intimidating the amount of places you can go. It's, it's too much. There's like too many places and you almost get like, you know, paralysis by analysis situation where you don't really like know where you want to go or you have like a good place. So you don't necessarily want to like go explore some other place because it could be a bust, that kind of thing. But there's so much. It's super amazing, super grateful for all the really cool stuff that we have out here. So especially if you're into motorcycles, because not that you couldn't mountain bike these places, like I think you could, and there's probably great gravel roads to ride and everything. But from an exploration standpoint, and a lot of this stuff is like going up the side of a mountain, bicycle, yeah, kind of a tough thing. But if you're into dirt bikes, holy crap, Utah is a really cool state. You can ride dirt bikes wherever you want. It's insane. Cool. That's it.
1: Matt? All right. uh, Let's see. I rode the trainer once because I do hope to have fitness once again, but I'm going out of order. So before Andrea got
2: home, what are you going to do with the fitness?
1: I'm going to put it in a little jar and put it on a shelf and admire it.
2: Are you just (laughs) going to like, are you just going to like ride with your fitness like by yourself? Or are you going to like do like a timed time thing with other people with fitness? I don't know yet. I'm going to be fit enough to enjoy riding my bike again. That's the first thing.
1: Yeah. So, You're like- not
0: going to be like me and all the other old former racers that just aren't that fit anymore, but still go out and do the same pace, but they're just like bright red and sweating the whole time they do it.
1: Yeah, but I was never as good as you, so I can't do that. <laughs> uh, so Saturday I did a bunch of work that prepped for what Andrea worked on today. So I started, no, that must have been on Sunday. No, Saturday I went and rode my trials bike, like actually went and rode with some other people for a few hours and had a great time. Uh, Don't know why I haven't been riding that. It's amazing. They're super fun. Did something I'd never done before. I'm not going to try to describe a trials move in an audio podcast. Let's just say I did something cool. Um, And
0: You can say the name of the move that you did just just so that like the four people that do trials that listen. What are the
2: moda things like a zap and tap or something like that?
1: Yeah, there's zaps, which I don't really understand since I can't do them. And then there's splats, which is like when you jump and land into something and you kind of have to, like, stop right there so bad things don't happen. Um, And I did that. And it was actually, like, a real gap, like a motorcycle length-ish gap. And that was pretty cool. And it wasn't like, oh, you jumped your motorcycle length. No, it's like... And then I had to stop on something the size of my motorcycle because you could not proceed forwards from that position. You had to go left or right to exit the obstacle. Yeah, precision motorcycle jumping. Yeah. Um, So did that for the first time. I ate shit like a numbskull and hurt my elbow, and it still hurts. Uh, Like I just fell down and hit it on the ground, and the insides are just sore now. Let's see. What else did I do that was cool that day? That's really it that I did that day. And then Sunday, I started doing that shed foundation work, which is just a lot of pickaxing and shoveling. So,
0: Oh, the head on the pickaxe is looser than it was, so I stopped using it.
1: Looser?
2: No, you can take it off. Is yeah. there a way that you like can do what you're doing? Like, it wanted to just doing? come off on its own. Oh. Is there a way you could do what you're doing with, like, a power tool? Uh, I a jackhammer? I got a
1: quote from someone to do it with real machinery, and I am...
2: Too cheap to pay that much money. Well, what if you bought said machinery and then you can do other machinery stuff with it later?
0: I don't think that we need a.
2: We we don't. We need don't a need mini a backhoe. We don't even say anything like that ever again, <laughs> Kenny. <laughs> let me rephrase this. There's a lot of other things I need to buy before I buy a mini X. Think about the cool shit you could do with a mini X. You could like you know join the trail builder people and hang out with them. You can trail it around. You can dig holes Ooh. in your yard you can dig yeah, holes so, in
1: other people's yards so i would need to buy a bigger trailer and then i would need to buy a bigger truck to pull
2: said trailer this just sounds really cheap yeah <laughs> yeah well you can get a bigger truck because you're going to need one to pull the miniacs but then you can also pull your um you can pull your range rover around land rover land rover <laughs> range rover what's the what's
1: the difference uh mine goes on the land not a range jesus kenny i
2: don't so range rover is like the is that like the bougie city version um
1: i mean i'm sure i'm gonna get roasted for this but i think range rover land or land rover range rover is a lot like chevy and gmc you know the the range rover might just be classed up a little bit
2: more but the actual like this i'm not actually trying to be funny right now i actually don't know what is the core like what's the underlying brand is it it's is it Land Rover or just yes. Rover or you would
1: be buying like you would buy Land Rover Range Rover. I'm ninety nine percent sure.
2: So yours is a Land Rover, Land Rover?
1: No, mine's a <laughs> Land Rover Discovery Two.
2: Oh. Okay. See we all learned something.
1: Andrew is googling it right now.
0: Land Rover is the brand of the vehicle with seven different models in its lineup. A Range Rover is a specific Land Rover model, so its full name is the Land Rover Range Rover, just like the full name of the Mustang is the
2: Ford Mustang. Okay, so I should be calling yours a Discovery, or or do people not like that? Do people want to be called Land Rover?
1: Uh, Well, I think since they're the most prolific, like the Discovery series, is, is, they made a couple of different versions of it, so... I think people just call them rovers. Um, ah, I don't know. I, I, I. Mine has never driven, so I'm not part of the club yet. But with that said, when we say the Range Rovers classed up, realize my 2000 model has heated leather power seats and two sunroofs. So, like, I, I don't know how much classier it needs to get. Andrea's 2021 doesn't have heated. Seats. Are your
2: sunroofs <laughs> side by side or front to back?
1: Uh, there's one over the.
2: Or is it a British thing where they put like one in the front left and then one in the back right? No, there's
1: like (laughs) one over the, because it's technically a three row vehicle. So it kind of sits over the headrest of like the front row and then over the second row. Got it. So it's like they're both moved rearwards just a little bit. Um, But yeah, so did a bunch of digging and then I went to work. And then I rode the trainer one of those days and then I did some more digging at lunch today and now we're here and it's time to roll into new shit.
0: All right. So I'm going to start out on new shit.
1: I know we don't talk about pivot
0: here. I just, just so you all know how we we just have to admit when someone does something that is good or funny or something that we would respect, they're... This article is about how their Mach 6 is now going to be mixed wheel size. But they're also doing something called a brunch ride build. As we all know, Yeti has lunch ride, which is like a kind of upgraded, slightly shreddier version of whatever bike flavor uh, you have in lunch ride.
1: Yeah, they over-fork it, they overstroke the shock, and they put knob tires on it and bigger brakes, and they charge you a shit ton more money for it. Lots more money. Yeti.
0: So... Pivot is doing the brunch ride, which is the more affordable version of the bike. So you can get, uh, now like in this Mach 6, you can get a brunch ride for $5,000. It does come with a coil shock. So it is actually kind of, you know, a little bit shreddy. But yeah, so they're doing like a cheaper version of the bike and calling it a brunch ride, which I, I have to appreciate the snark. I don't like them fundamentally as a company because they tried to get us fired that time for talking shit about a shitty bike. But you know, I I can't I can't say I didn't laugh when I saw this. So kudos pivot for taking a big ass dig at Yeti by making a cheaper version and calling it a brunch ride.
2: For what it's worth, I always equate brunch with being more expensive.
0: I know, right?
2: Brunch is usually like fairly bougie. Kind of yeah. like a like a, a golf club type
1: situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because if, if you're not bougie, you just call it a late breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like, but it's my, usually
2: like a pretty big, it's like an upscale buffet, typically, situation. Champagne there's like someone or on mimosas like an, or something. Um, yeah, there's going to be mimosas. There's someone on an omelet station. <laughs> That's usually not cheap.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. But, yep. So I thought that was funny. Uh, moving on. So Gorilla Gravity is officially closed. Uh, if Goodbye. you If you own a Gorilla Gravity, however and you need service parts, you can go to Canfield. Canfield is now taking over sales of Gorilla Gravity's service parts. So there you go. I know, I mean, some of our listeners have Gorilla Gravity, so you might be interested to know that.
1: But it's while supplies last. Yeah, yeah. I'm
0: sure they probably just bought the inventory.
1: And one of the employees. And
0: one of the employees. So, yeah, so you can hit up Canfield if you have any problems with your Gorilla Gravity.
1: Or if you think you might keep the bike for very long, you better order some replacement parts now because when they're gone, they're gone. This deal won't last long. <laughs> dun dun dun!
0: Gotta order make it dramatic. Order now while
1: supplies last. Offer not valid in Mexico, New Mexico, Taiwan, Hawaii, Hawaii. I don't know. I'm just thinking about like the <laughs> super fast disclaimers at the end of any everything.
0: Uh, one of our patrons in Patron Slack sent out a link for a bike that has rising pivot technology and it's a high pivot
1: bike that's just extra kooky. This pivot is high as fuck.
0: It is super high.
1: Like this pivot is It's higher
0: than Snoop Dogg.
1: No, I was going to say this pivot is as high as Snoop Dogg riding with Cheech and Chong.
0: <laughs> I heard I saw on on the internet so it must be true. I saw that Snoop Dogg quit smoking.
1: No, he was fucking advertising Solo smokeless outdoor fire pit. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> he made a big uproar, so he could say he's done with the smoke. And in reality, he just didn't. He wanted to
2: promote smokeless outdoor fire pits. Oh, okay. See, look how good that campaign. Yeah, worked. seriously, got I you all Snoop, riled up.
0: I didn't. I didn't really believe it, but I just, you know, since we're talking about higher than Snoop Dogg, I did want to say that I had seen that somewhere that he wasn't smoking anymore.
1: I just want to know. I don't look. If you're out there listening, send me a high pivot bike. I need to understand them because yeah. I don't.
0: I really, I want to ride, so I want to ride a high pivot bike and I want to ride a mullet bike. I want to ride both of the, not at the same time. I don't want a high pivot mullet bike.
1: What if it was a mulletable high pivot bike?
0: Like you could switch it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd do that. I would totally do that. Uh, You know, we've got both wheel
1: sizes here, so. You could mullet your single speed. Yeah, I could. It'd be like normal in the front, fat in the back.
0: Yeah, I might try that.
1: You should do that with a 3 zero moto wheel up front with a giant tire on it. <laughs>
0: I don't know if it would fit in that fork. Sure. It's got a Sid.
1: Sure, you can fit a 2.6 Recon in that fork all day.
0: All right, I'll just take your bike that has that wheel on it, that that tire on it, or I'll take your your wheel.
1: I don't think you need to ride my envy wheel.
0: It'd be fine as a front wheel.
1: If you saw the face she made as she said that, where she didn't even really believe herself. <laughs>
0: I will say in Memphis, I was running, I I dropped down to 17 PSI in the rear and 20 in the front.
1: Don't you mean that the other way around? Oh, yeah, I did. 17 in the front, 20 in the back. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Math is hard. Numbers are difficult. That's why Kenny
1: reads analog. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: That's the new shit that I thought was interesting. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about?
2: I don't. There is a new Galfer break. And I want to see what you guys think about why it is the way that it is. Can
1: you send us a link? Uh,
2: Yeah. It is on the way. So I can't tell if there's some extra maybe data acquisition stuff on it. So maybe I'm overthinking this, but it sure to me looks like they're either trying to obviously copy the stealth thing that SRAM is doing, or this is eventually designed to completely go inside a handlebar somehow. I don't, understand how that would work uh, sorry I'm. computers are hard so many different things you can click and do
0: Yeah, because I don't see if I go to their website there we go. they only have rotors and pads and like kits with adapters and rotors and shit
2: oh yeah I mean that looks because like... the bottom part the bottom part has like the hose going to it and it kind of looks like just like a stealth in fact they're even using a SRAM matchmaker clamp which is really funny uh, but I don't know what's going on with the top, but the bleed, the bleeder thing is in the top, but then they have like a little pressure sensor doohickey thing screwed in there. So I don't know what's going on with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I have a feeling they're going to make a, if I had to guess, it's going to be a nice e-bike brake with throttle
2: cuts in it. Ah, uh, that could make a lot of sense. Or you mean, I think what it's going to be is maybe it'll be part of an ABS system and oh. that's why it's got the extra chonker. That too, yep. No, nah, but maybe not. I'm looking at now a picture below it, and it looks more, without the little thing you plugged in the end, it kind of looks a little bit more traditional perhaps. I don't know. Maybe that's just going to be an option for some
0: kind of... Kind of...
1: Yeah, because if you look at those lower photos, there's a you can definitely, out of that reservoir area, you could definitely unscrew a plug there and screw something else back in.
2: Yeah, I wonder if there... I don't know if Galfer has any history with actually making breaks. I know they've made... They make motorcycle Uh, stuff, don't they? Yeah, exactly. But I don't think they make like whole brake systems. I think they really just stick with pads and rotors. I'm pretty sure. Could be wrong, though.
0: Yeah, it looks like it's just, at least on their website, it's just pads and rotors.
2: Anyway, that caught my eye. Kind
1: of interesting. All right. God, there's a lot going on on that bike in these photos. Is that it? Do
2: we have any other listener questions?
0: Yeah, we've got some listener questions. Before we get started on those, I do want to remind everyone that we still have our fundraiser Fundraiser running for Partnership for Community Action. Uh, you can go to our website jrashow dot and click on Merch. You can make a donation to get a sticker or more one or more stickers. And you can also, along with that, you can buy regular stickers. You can get uh, water bottles. We've still got patches. So. And get some stuff j- will
1: be on sale by the time this post. We're gonna run a holiday sale.
0: Yeah, we'll do a holiday sale. That's a good idea. We need we have too many boxes of water bottles, so
1: No, it's not that. Not don't phrase it that way. It's just like we're gonna move these so we can get cool new ones for the spring. Yeah. These are cool. We're just gonna have different cool.
0: And you can never have too many water bottles, right? It like can specialized water bottles, right? Because all the caps fit each other. You just don't get other water bottles, just get specialized bottles so that you just always have bottles and caps
2: are you ready for a tangent sure we've never done a tangent before so this is this is new for us groundbreaking i'm
1: holding on to the the desk
2: here kenny yeah uh paypal slash venmo slash every other digital whatever you call it currency broker essentially they are well not they the US government i think is holding on this whole $600 you're going to get a 1099 form at the end of the year if you uh, transact more than $600 on any one platform
1: for goods and
2: services yes yes that is that is a very important asterisk so in theory if you um, you know if you pay pay johnny for uh, $1000 worth of blowjob services rendered that in theory is not going to be charged and also for paying back someone for pizza, but mostly (laughs) blowjobs. That doesn't count. But if you sell, for example, eBay, eBay is its own thing now. All payments are done through them. So if you're just a hobby eBay person like me and I just sell my old shit because I don't like having old stuff laying around anymore. I want to like stay clean and streamlined. If you sell more than $600 on there, which is very easy to do, you get a freaking 1099 form and then you get charged full for all your shit, which is insane. So like whatever your effective tax rate is, not your highest tax bracket, but whatever your effective tax rate is, essentially, you're getting charged that for everything you sold. So ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Like they just make the assumption that you got, um, that you got everything for free, which is asinine. Just really bugs me. Yeah, I mean, basically you could do the accounting and show losses on that stuff and then wash yourself out, right? You can, but only if you itemize. So, right? Um, I mean, the vast majority, well, I say vast majority, uh, a decent number of people itemize. More than likely if you're a homeowner, you probably itemize already. But anyway, it's just obnoxious that they are getting that nitty-gritty picky on stuff. And also just it's up there that's a huge peeve. So hopefully that doesn't go through at all, but right now they're just holding for another year. And I think maybe they're also going to change the rules because I think they realized that it was completely asinine. The other one that bugs me is the used car thing. People don't keep cars very long anymore anyway, just in general. So if cars flip flop owners every freaking two to three years and they live for 10 or 20 years, the amount of times that the government collects tax on that vehicle is absolutely insane. Like, wh- what else? What other product sees that? It makes no fucking sense to me. They just over and over again charge you full sales tax. Some states are less; Tennessee's less, but uh, most places are damn near full sales tax for your vehicle every single time it's sold used to someone. Insane. Yep. So anyway, that's the I'm news. Is those... that that? Uh, like, because I was kind of worried about that. Just one more damn thing I got to worry about accounting wise. And that's uh, being held for another year. But aren't you glad so if that kind of st- if that, if that stuff bugs you?
1: Dollars are going to fund great things that help the everyday man and woman in society. Let's <laughs> let's not.
0: We should we should move on to listener questions. All right.
1: <laughs> Two hours later, we're just drunkenly ranting about I don't know taxation is theft and talking about I don't know. I'm just gonna stop it. Uh, so we got an email from <laughs> Brian. Brian. Propane Bikes. Motherfucking Hank Hill. Uh, I've been riding Propane Hugene for about a year. I bought it in the fall of 2022 when they launched in the U.S. It's been What's his ex-
2: model? The, the Huge Anus? Yes. <laughs> um,
1: it's been an excellent, bike, an excellent all-around trail bike. Light for its capabilities. Suspension rides well. Geo is solid. Overall, I would recommend it. <clears throat> and I think this is in response to us talking about Propane in the past, but... As I greatly appreciated listening to a podcast recently, someone said, "I don't remember what I said last week because I just sat down and had a conversation with friends, and I don't remember this shit." So, <laughs> well, that's that's that what was, we, we do had we had every said every week, by the way.
0: I think but we had said it, something, but along I heard it somewhere lines.
1: else, and it was very validating. It made me feel like I'm not stupid.
0: I, I remember looking at this bike. This is the bike that I kind of looked at because it was just like their trail bike.
2: And what model did he have again? The Eugene.
0: Hugene. Hugene. And, and that's what we. That's kind of what we said. We looked at the weight, and it's like, well, it's spec'd well, and it's not too heavy, uh, and it looks like it would be. It looks like it would be pretty, pretty solid. So, that. Thank you for confirming what we thought the bike would be like.
2: If this person wants to write in again, I would like to know your ride experience with it obviously the whole idea is at least the cool thing for me that's a differentiator is it's got all of the little springy sprongy boingy bits all kind of in one part of the frame but also has what i assume is a fairly advanced suspension design like some type of dw link derived situation with a solid rear triangle which generally speaking i usually like on bicycles so i'm curious how does uh I guess he said he likes it, but I'm curious, more like suspension kinematics wise, can he compare it to maybe other things or whatever? And also maybe answer the question, is it, I could probably do some clickety clacking, but is it a DW link derived thing? I don't know. I just assume that every single bike that has two dog bones and a solid rear triangle is a DW link bike. Uh,
0: If it doesn't say DW, then I don't think they bought that design and they have to make it slightly different, but it does look like, yeah, it does look like it was, someone looked at a DW bike and they're like, "Oh, we'll just put this bolt over here and, you know, move the shock a little bit and it won't be exactly DW.
1: DW adjacent.
0: Yeah, DW adjacent.
1: Excellent. be really Next cool question. if they showed more photos of the bike.
0: You get lots of close-up photos, but not close-ups of the whole bike, or not just a whole bike photo.
1: Oh, it's, the link lives in front of the bottom bracket. Yeah, that's what's different. Hmm. yeah
2: aren't looks... there maybe some dws by the way um the reason you can't see the pictures that you want is because the first main picture is the 360 so you can um see it in an in infinite number of angles
1: god i'm too old for this shit <laughs>
2: yeah you got it. you click on the picture first and then you drag the mouse around not the other way around hmm. yep
0: it looks cool get, i'll put that, that on my list time. of tr- shit that i'd like to ride
2: there's so
1: many pivots, though. There are a lot there's, of pivots There's a there. lot of little bolts and pivots there.
2: Is that any different than any other?
0: I think that's probably the, no same... It, the, yeah, think the, the, the same. It's no different. Yeah, I think it's the same number. It's of... literally
2: the exact same number of pivots as every other DW bike nope. on the planet. Except, oddly enough, how can there be a DW bike that doesn't have a solid rear triangle? How is that a thing? I must, like, misunderstand. I'm making a generalization that all, like I said before, that all solid rear triangle double dog bone bikes... Um, are dw bikes so maybe there's something that i don't understand i never understood how like the i think the salsas there were some salsas that had a not it just looked like a freaking single pivot bike and they said dw on it which is really weird did they just pay a shitload of money to slap <laughs> dw on there on just shit suspension <laughs> I don't know. and the dw and weagle's like all right dumbasses, if you want to if you want to pay the rights for that it's not even a dw
1: i'm looking it up it doesn't matter
2: it none of it matters it's cool because we can do and say anything that we want, and I'm going to call it a DW bike, and then someone can be like, oh, actually, that's not, and I can be like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the I guess the only thing that I don't understand, and I would
1: understand it if I started p- pushing on one, would be what the rear pivot, that pivot, oh, damn it, it zoomed out. <sighs> I think there has to be a tiny bit of anti-squat type stuff built in, because if you look on the non-drive side, the lower pivot, sorry, the rearward pivot of the lower link, Mm -hmm. it is lower than the forward pivot. So there has to be a slightly rearward travel for it to start going up. Is the bottom
0: bracket in the rear triangle in that?
1: No. It looks
0: like it is. It's just cupped around. It it looks like it in that photo.
1: It's just cupped around there. Okay. So I think there has to be a little bit of rearward movement, which will do that. I mean, that's the thing. Like when Kenny says it's all DW, they're all trying to do the same thing, which is change the axle path in a way that helps not bob so bad when pedaling and not do weird things when braking and whatnot. So um, what else do we want to talk about?
0: Let's see.
1: I'm not reading all
0: that. Read. You wrote us a book of an email, and I'm going to have to just read through this and make some Cliff's, Cliff's notes of it, and uh, we'll come back to it. It is a very long email about lots of different e-mountain bikes, and it seems very well thought out, and it would not do this, this email justice for me to just try to hack through it and shorten it off the cuff. So, from Steve, Steve has a wheel question. Sorry. He says, Envy M525 wheelset, original equipment on a 22-spot Rive 115. I've broken three rear spokes in about 1,500 miles of New England terrain. I'm 175 pounds, full-kitted, a pretty smooth rider, 61 years old with 35 years experience, and I'm not out to catch big air. I'm just not that hard on equipment. I hear you disparage Sapem smoke spokes so my question is if you were going to rebuild this wheel what spoke would you use the m525 use a sapin blade type one millimeter by 2.2 millimeter spoke and as i'm sure you know matt has a set right yep there's only 24 of them
2: so i have i have thoughts are we done with the question yep that's it So, I have thoughts. A couple things. One is, yeah, I did disparage Sapem spokes. I think that was like an isolated incident. I don't really know. That was a long time ago. It's still the same spoke model. Hopefully, that was a fluke. I don't know. Lots of people use Sapems. Like, surely they're not that problematic. And I don't see any more, like, anything hugely problematic with them. And they are specced on so many things, right? Like, they, I think, are exclusively used on Envy now. They used to be interchangeable with Aerolites with Envy. But I'm pretty sure Envy for the longest time has been just SAPEM. Is that correct? Sure. I think so. Anyway. You act like, I like for SRAM, a DVD dealer. Wait, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, SRAM uses SAPEMs like a bunch of people do, right? I would actually argue that on OEM wheels, it's probably more common to find SAPEMs than Aerolites. So take that for what it is. Uh, I think your biggest problem is just that wheel in general. And I don't think it's an envy problem necessarily. It's that I don't think that on a lightweight cross-country wheel on a mountain bike with a full-size adult, you cannot run a 24-hole wheel. It will not last. Sorry, I'm all about being a weight weenie. I ran a 24-hole front and that was like, okay, but I just see so many people with um, specialized Rovals, for example, that just break rear spokes and they're 24-hole. At least on the control sls that I'm referring to.
0: So what Kenny's saying is, you need to take your tire and your tubeless tape off, get a drill, and drill four more holes into that rim.
2: No. And- yeah, pick any 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 four spots you want. No, uh, I no, just think no. I yeah. think that 24 hole. I don't think 24 hole should exist on mountain bikes for rears. That's my opinion. I know that doesn't help your situation, so I'm very sorry, but that's been my experience. I've seen enough of them that uh, I think that they just break more spokes, which shouldn't really be surprising.
0: I would say... I,
2: I want to. Oh, and uh, to actually answer the question of what should you rebuild them with, I think if you do fresh anything, they're just going to see, they're going to fatigue up a lot faster. So if you're going to do it, I would go all in. And I would... Uh, I personally, I really like Aerolites, but even if you did fresh Sapems, I think you'd be fine. Um, use a competent wheel builder. If that's yourself, that's great. But all new spokes, all new nips... I would recommend brass. We always say that on the show. I think they're just a lot better. Use proper spoke prep. Obviously, build them, <laughs> build them correctly, and I think you'll be good for a while.
0: I think you should send it, box it up, and send it to Scott's Bicycle Service in Salida, and have him rebuild it because he is.
1: I'm sure there's there's <laughs> there's great wheel on the Northeast. Or there are. On the east coast. There are. With that said, the question that I wanted to ask though is, how are you breaking these spoke? Are you JRA? And if you're actually JRA, can you hop in a time machine? And, you know, I think Northeast Rocks, I think of rocks flipping up and bashing into the wheel. And I think you do have to consider are these spokes breaking because they broke, like they just gave up? Or are these spokes breaking because they were impacted by a rock that you flipped up with the rear wheel and it did the like tomahawk around into the spokes and the pinball. then 200 miles later, the spoke finally broke because it was compromised? So, yeah,
2: so that that's a really good question. If they're breaking like all right at the nip, for example, that's definitely one failure mode. If they're all breaking straight in the middle on the non-drive side, that's definitely a thing. If they're all breaking in an elbow, that's a thing. If it's all high tension side, that's definitely a thing. If they're all high tension side on the cassette, like at the cassette, it's probably cuz your chain came off <laughs> and smashed in between the cassette and the spokes. So, there's definitely so many different ways that a wheel can break. And yeah, if you let us know that information, I think we could probably give you a little bit better idea. Very generally speaking, if you are typically breaking low tension side, so on a rear wheel, your non-drive side, and you keep breaking those spokes and they're kind of all over the place, like kind of generally in the middle, let's say, but not like at the threads um, of the nip, but they're just kind of breaking in the middle. um, More than likely your wheel is under tensioned which seems very counterintuitive, uh, or you just have a very, very flexy rim hoop that is allowing it to uh, detension a ton and then snap back because you have a high-tension side and a low-tension side. And if you are detensioning that wheel through just normal use, the low-tension side ones are going to go to see actually zero tension at some point and then actually snap back. And then the uh, that shelf or the nipple... Is going to smash literally back into the rim, and that's going to fatigue that spoke.
0: So this would be my suggestion. First off, I would call call or email Envy with the same information. Maybe the wheel builder there was just if you bought the, if you bought the rim and then bought a hub and had yeah. it built separate.
1: That's not it. It came on a spot, and right, it's right, pretty right. impossible to buy these rims because there's really nothing out there to build them on. There's
2: very few
0: 24 spoke
1: 24
2: holes yeah, try to by the way, try to find a 24 hole rear mountain hub. Good luck.
0: So this is what I would do first contact Envy and see if maybe they would offer a f- either a discounted or a free rebuild on that. It, I think it's worth just saying like you know give them that information say tell them where the spokes are breaking, how they're breaking and see if maybe they would help you out. If they don't, I would find a local wheel builder. Uh, do what Kenny said. Have them rebuilt. Maybe do brass nipples instead of aluminum.
2: Well, I'm sorry, these are Envis, so they're. I just kind of forgot that piece. I'm just so used to telling people that oh, they're yeah, going to they be brass. That... They're going to be brass from the factory. Okay,
0: and they have that weird internal nipple too. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. They're not weird. They're just upside down, right? Yeah. And also, since we're talking about stuff, I was telling you, hey, proper spoke prep on Envy's, Weirdly enough those special nips that they use i don't know who makes them actually but they're brass they've already got little lockers in them i don't know if it's like a nylock to be honest or some other little like pinched area but they tell you do not use spoke prep on those so that's like the one exception to the rule so they're they function like pro locks something like that i don't know if they have compound in them already i don't think they do i think it has something to do with that locking mechanism i i haven't dug into it deep enough to really know i just know that envy says very specifically no spoke prep on these
0: so find a reputable reputable wheel builder and this is even like if envy rebuilds your wheel for you whoever rebuilds your wheel put your wheel put your tire on it go ride it a few times and then take it to a reputable shop or wheel builder in your area and have the spoke tension checked after you know say 30 to 50 miles of riding and just make sure with the tire on at pressure that they are still at proper tension. And that's, that's what I would say would be the one thing I would add in is rechecking it. I know industry nine has you do that uh, just right off the bat When you get a set of their wheels, like their alloy spoke wheels. I could not
2: find any of that information on their website anymore. Oh, The break-in period. Yeah, I think that was mostly on their alloy spoke ones because they had lots of detensioning problems. I think that was a bigger issue. I think on most modern stuff, the way that they're built using all proper stuff and being tensioned as high as we can tension wheels now with so much stuff being carbon and even nicer alloy wheels being built to a higher tension, it's usually not as big of an issue. But I think that's still really good advice to especially if you get some other person to rebuild it. Not that they're not going to do a good job, uh, but Envy is obviously figured out, generally speaking, hey, how do we get the least number of wheels back to us? So they have their little tips and tricks that they do in-house to make sure that you don't really have to do that. But uh, anyone else building a wheel, it's very good to check them. I tell my customers that all the time. Not that we're doing a bad job, but it's just like, hey, we built so many different wheels to so many different specs. Go ride the wheels for a little bit, bring them back. Let me make sure they're good. And- I want to make sure that we catch stuff early before something becomes a bigger problem. So also, Andrea's other piece of advice is really good. Envy has very good customer service typically, so that is the first place you should try.
0: Yeah, so try them first and then do a recheck after you've ridden it a little bit after you have it rebuilt. That is that is the takeaway on this one.
1: And with that, if you're going to like roll your eyes about the whole taping and untaping process, I would go as far as to say you could throw a tube in it and go for a couple of good road rides on it even and then recheck it
0: yeah do that all right and then let's see we've got a quick one from nick on our patron slack he says help settle a debate about press fit bottom brackets how much of a deciding factor is press fit versus threaded bottom brackets in your bike purchasing decision would you ever rule out a bike because of this factor and why
2: Hmm. i think that's a good one i'll go first I probably wouldn't solely base my decision on that. But if I was at a tipping point for any reason, it would probably push me over the edge one way or the other because I, for the most part, heavily dislike press fit bottom brackets. I've definitely seen some bikes have zero problems with them, but generally speaking, I really don't like them. And especially if it was PF, I'm going to say I don't like PF. I'm going to call it PF 92, but it might technically be called 89 or 91 or some other garbage that I don't care about. The smaller diameter one, because all new bikes run 29 or 30 mil spindles for the most part, unless you're running a Shimano crank, which is the wrong decision. (laughs) I don't like the smaller press fit. So if it's press fit 30, that's probably going to be a little bit better move. I think it's going to let you run a little bit bigger bearings and have better longevity there. Anyway, that's my take. I probably wouldn't solely base a decision on it, but I definitely still dislike press fit bottom brackets.
0: Yeah. Kind of the same thing. I mean, that... That's, uh, the what happens is when you have a 29 or 30 mil crank and you have that smaller diameter press fit bottom bracket the the size of the bearing is just it's really skinny. Uh, Sram has done a great job with their dub bottom brackets of making that as robust as it can be, but it's still functionally a very small bearing so uh, but you do have options now if you have a bike where the fit is not great you can get a thread together aluminum sleeve bottom bracket that will fit in there that does a great job of making up for bad manufacturing tolerances.
1: Doesn't work with SRM power meters. Oh, well,
0: who has an SRM power meter?
2: I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking out for the people. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say two things. One is SRAM straight up makes the best bottom bracket standard. Like SRAM Dub is one of the best things to happen to the bike industry in a very, very, very long time. It seems so dumb and silly and not that important, but it's just so good. They Their, their stuff lasts for so long, and the bottom brackets cost $50. Yeah. Phenomenal standard. It's so good. And number two, fuck, I already lost it. I was so amped up on this SRAM thing. Uh, yeah, so two things that work really good in the bike industry. One is dub, and number two are... Specialized pivot bearings. They make no sense. Both of those things are crazy good. That's it. Uh,
1: I don't care. I, I just don't care. Um, I think that as long I okay, let's, let's back up a step here. I would like you to tell me a very compelling bike that's coming press fit. Good. Right. You couldn't. So I think where we still see press fit as pretty prevalent is in those tier- Three and tier four bikes. You know, if you think of like a tier one bike as being like a Specialized Santa Cruz, what? Maybe does Specialized still do press fit, or do they move to threaded on their mountain bikes? No, Trek, I don't I mean?
2: think. I don't think any other stuff. Trek does some weird shit. Trek's got some freaking T forty seven, maybe or something on like road bikes for some reason. And I think, oh, I don't want to talk wrong. I they think do maybe T forty seven on the new Ex Jones and new uh, Amanda. I'm 99. Yeah, they, sure. they have fucked me pretty hard a couple times with me trying to swap some customers' drivetrains out. And you like do all this stuff and you're like finding a crank and it's got power and all the things. And then all your shit gets here and then nothing goes together because it's got a goddamn T47 bottom bracket. Don't they make T47 dub? Mm, they they did yeah, when but it like first you,
0: happened, but I, I yeah, don't think they and do then, know And then like
2: the part numbers like kind of don't exist. And anyway, I just I get cranky. Uh but where I'm going is like your nice bikes
1: um aren't going to have press fit anymore for the most part. Oh yeah, SRAM does a T forty seven dub now. But your most of your nice bikes aren't gonna be press fit. When you start looking at bikes that are still press fit, whether it be in the mountain bike world or in the road bike world, I think you're gonna see one of two things. It's a tier one or tier two brand, but it's a model that's extra long in the tooth you know it's something that they've been running for a long time and that bike's due for a refresh so maybe you shouldn't buy that because the you know technology is going to be better soon or if you look to a a model a similar model a comparable model that's been updated more recently you'll probably see something that's a, a little bit more in tune right and then the the other stuff that you're going to see is just going to be that super affordable stuff and and I'm not trying to like bag on any particular brand but I'm sure you can think of something you know that uh, I don't I almost don't want to name a brand cuz I don't want to just shit on a brand for no reason here. I don't, does
0: does Rocky Mountain still do press fit? I know my Vertex was press fit. Uh
1: your Vertex was press fit but those bikes were old. Yeah. You know like yeah, it the was Vertex old. they don't make anymore. Um so I guess where I'm going is I would I'll just say it. Like, you might see some Carbon Bikes Direct Hardtail that's press fit, but that's because it's cheap. When you look at all the China Carbon Dero direct stuff, it, it, press fit is easy to make. It's pretty cheap.
0: What did the YT have?
1: Uh Press fit. It's pretty cheap. There you go. You know? So, but with that said, my Scott Spark had press fit, and it had really wide bearing spacing. You know, they were trying to use up more real estate on the frame to make a stiffer bike. Uh, so... I don't know i just don't care anymore yeah it doesn't suck and if it does suck it's because your frame's probably not nice right right and
0: and like i said if you do have a frame that's a little bit possibly out of tolerance you can get that aluminum sleeve was it wheels manufacturing that makes it
1: yeah wheels makes them uh someone else makes them now too there's a there's a number of folks that are doing yeah, that, but it's, yeah
0: it's basically it's an aluminum sleeve and it threads together in in the middle of you know of the bottom bracket inside the bike and that has fixed you know back when i was a mechanic if someone had a p- problematic press fit bike if i put one of those in there it pretty much functioned like a normal you know you might replace it every couple of years bottom bracket
1: and if you do have a press-fit bite that's making noise and you don't want to go that far on it, um, is it 638? I thought it was 391. Oh, no, 609. Uh, Loctite 609 retaining compound will help. It is a high-strength metha-acrylate ester acrylic retaining compound designed for the bonding of cylindrical fitting parts. So. You and that was
0: the old Cannondale fix for a press BB-30. For
1: BB-30 bearings into yeah. the frame. So you could definitely jam some of that in there, slather it up, press it in, and hopefully it doesn't go creak-crack anymore.
0: Yep. Alright, do we want to be done or do we want to do this real quick one?
1: I thought there was one about soup and sandwiches.
0: Oh, that, yeah, that was like a previous question that I think we had... Uh, oh,
1: we had already covered. Never mind. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Let's shut it down and get ready to eat turkey.
0: All right, yeah, we're uh we're eating with with Tom P tomorrow. Gonna have some. Well, it's gonna be chicken, not turkey. One of our yard chickens.
1: Have we updated everyone that Tiny Boots is now Samantha Squatch and she started laying eggs?
0: Yeah, little. We didn't do that. That's our chicken nugget of the week. If you're still listening, uh, the baby chick that was born back in August, like late August, I think. That I thought was definitely going to be a rooster because it got very large and yeah like it it's like the same size as its mom now just about like boots is a big rooster that's the dad
1: motherfucker's like the size of a five gallon bucket he's
0: really big but luckily he's a very docile rooster he is not mean at all uh, but he uh, yeah so this this baby I started getting these green eggs and at first I thought it was one of the like I didn't even think about it. little bit of chicken genetics for you here. Uh, Stuff that you now know that you didn't know that you needed to know. So if you take a chicken that lays blue eggs, a hen that lays blue eggs, and you breed it to a rooster that would typically be a breed that has brown eggs, you will get a, if you get a hen, the baby is a hen it will lay green eggs i wasn't really thinking about it i was just kind of thinking oh look you know one of the hens that i got with the meat birds like she started laying eggs and they're green and then it just dawned on me one day that i did not purchase any hens that should be laying green eggs so it is that baby who, who's now is september october almost 3 months old is laying these little green eggs and they're they're Is beautiful. that where
2: green eggs and ham comes from
0: i guess I don't know. I think I in never, the
2: I never understood the green eggs thing from Doctor Seuss.
0: Yeah, the, those eggs in the book were actually like the yolks were green, so I don't I don't know if that counts.
2: But do you think maybe it was a uh, someone when you actually did have green eggs that they was an assumption was made that they looked green? Maybe like when sorry, like the inside of the egg was yeah green?
0: yeah. I don't I don't know, but they're they're nice olive green color. So she's uh, Samantha Squatch, not Sasquatch, but that's it. Matt's Matt's reading about. Green, the meaning of green eggs.
1: It, yeah, don't read into it too much. It just says to give things that you're not familiar with a shot. That's the whole meaning behind it. Because the, right. the Grinch had never tried green eggs, but he was just like, no, I would not try them. And then he tries them, and he's like, oh, these are tits. And, uh,
0: <laughs> you know. It actually says that. In I the d- book.
2: I do remember that. Yeah. I I would not, could not in a tree. Oh wait a minute, these are tits. I do remember. Yeah. I would th- not
1: be <laughs> in a tree. Holy shit, these are tits for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we should wrap it up on that. You got the stop button over there.
1: I'll eat them fast. I'll eat them slick. I'll fuck these eggs right with my dick. (laughs) 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 And with that, we're going to shut it down. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Everything's going to be on sale. And if you made it this far, without us telling you to go fuck yourselves, you should be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show.